Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. All right. Hey, before uh, we're going to get things going, get to know each other a little bit. And uh, before we do that, just want to give you a heads up on what's going on. Uh, this month, we got a lot of stuff. We're heading down to the Tijuana Christian Mission. It's an orphanage and a women's uh, shelter that we've been supporting financially and also we have, I think, seven people that support kids down there for a monthly donation of $50 a month. And we're going to go visit them, hang out with the kids, play games. That's at the end of this month on the 29th. If you've never been, it's awesome. It's safe. Uh, and they love it when we come down and visit them. And the leaders love it, too, because it gives them a break. So if that's something you're into, uh, we do have limited spots. And so uh, sign up online or you can go onto our app, download the app. Uh, we have a, a church app you can download. And so get signed up on that. And then also the end of this month on 30th Fall Festival, we're going to party it up. And so we're going to have food. We're going to have pictures with hay and pumpkins and all that. We're going to have multiple tables that you can go trick-or-treating. Yes, adults, you can go trick-or-treating too, but mainly for the kids. And so we're just going to have a party. Great time to invite people. Uh, Also, we're getting some radio play. Uh, Laura Lee, what's the station? What's it? Ruah. Ruah Live, and so it's a Christian station, and so, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, we're going to actually be playing, uh, playing their music and stuff like that, but they're going to be uh, giving a shout out and all that kind of stuff, so uh, lots of activity, so that's at the end of this month on the 30th. Um, today, uh, we're going to be, um, Paul's been building something, so if you're, we're in Ephesians 5, Ephesians is a letter to an actual group of churches, just so you know, in Turkey not just to Ephesus, which is a city in Turkey. It actually got passed around. So when you read the Bible and there's letters, right? These letters were passed around because they didn't have mega churches like we have today, just so you know. Our church, some of you come here today, you're like, oh, this is a really small church. We would have been a mega church back then. A lot of them, there's just multiple small churches all throughout the city or throughout the country, and these letters would get passed. Ephesians was written to these group of churches, these churches, this church especially, was planted by Paul. And this, is, this letter is written about five to seven years after he planted it. And like anything, you start off the right way, but then it's called mission creep, right? All of a sudden, five years later, it's like, wait, why are we doing this? Why do we have this company? Why am I in this marriage? Why do we have kids? Why am I working out? Why? Like you start questioning why, and you have to kind of go back to the basics. So he writes this letter because this church is like, hey guys, you need to stay focused. The first few chapters, it builds upon till we get to chapter 5. If you missed the sermon, go onto our YouTube and check it out because it kind of builds on it. Today, Paul's going to kind of be uh, building this case for the culmination of, listen, the church is about being humble, being patient with one another because we're going to grind on one another. Like, even, you know, like, I want to find a church where everyone just gets along and there's a, there's, it doesn't exist. Every church you visit, we're going to grind on each other, but the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to be patient in love, right? And he said the whole goal of this is unity. A unified church is a light to the world. And how does the world really view the church today? Probably very divided if you read the paper and things like that, right? But our job is not to worry about other churches. It says worry about yourself. That's why he's writing to them. And so now he's saying, listen, in order to get there, you need to change the way you think. I talked about it last week. The direction of your thoughts lead to the direction of your life. The way God is wired is, is we have thoughts, 
which give us an emotion, which give us actions. If you don't control your thoughts, your emotions will never be in control and your lifestyle will never be in control. So he's saying, work on your thoughts. Talked about it last week. This week he's saying, but the rubber needs to meet the road. The thoughts have to lead to action. It's important not just to reach the world for Jesus, but to reach your own heart for Jesus so that you're not deceived. We're going to hear a story, um, and it's from someone that many of you might know, Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty. It's a really popular show. I don't even know if it's on the air anymore, but it was really popular. And, uh, but I don't know if you know his story, because we see the end result of this show. He's a millionaire, and we see that the, you know, the Christianity is within their family. But the journey to get there is a journey that all of us need in our lives. And I want to talk about the things that aren't on the show that are powerful, um, that tell about his life. If you want to know about this family, I'm not saying they're a perfect family, but you've got to hear where they come from as far as why Christianity means more than TV shows and money and things like that. There's a, a website called I Am Second. I Am Second. They have all these testimonies of famous people and things like that but it has an eight-part series on the Robertson family, and they're very honest. That's what I like about them. They fit our church. We're very authentic here, and we're going to get authentic today because that's how you get to real saving um, Christianity that gives you momentum in life. So I'm going to pray. We're going to hear a little bit of their story. It's not two minutes. It's going to go a little bit longer, but I want you to see Christianity and how it really forms it within their lives, and then we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 5 today. So Jesus, our first goal is to not worry about others, but to make sure that we have a real relationship with you. Jesus, you are very loving, but you are very honest. And, and your whole thing is, listen, I'm giving you clarity with what it means to have eternal life, but also to have a really enjoyable life with God here on earth. And God, I pray that none of us would be deceived with anything that's fake. It's not authentic, God, where we would deceive ourselves. But from that, God, I pray that as, as, we, as you work in us, that that would give us joy and passion and courage to reach others because we see what you're doing in our lives. And so, God, I pray today would be motivating. I pray today for some of us, Lord, there needs to be some changes. We're hiding things, and it's weighing us down. And you have us here today to say, I want to free you up. But we need to participate with you, Jesus. And so I pray that we wouldn't think about others during the sermon, but we just focus on ourselves, making sure we're good with you, Lord, and thanking you for what you want to do in our lives. So we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Bill started school, and we were so poor. So in love, but so poor. Baby on the way. Actually, Alan was born, I was 17 years old, and Phil was 18 years old. So we were basically two kids with a kid. But you have to grow up, and you do. That's what you do. Now, when I got to college, I was on my way to being a bone to be chewed, as they say. I started seeing the change in Phil, and this really came when he started spending a lot of time with the football team parties in college, you know. It was the 60s. Y'all remember the 60s, don't you? What I saw was Phil, who had never drank before, started drinking. 
And what happened with me was it was scary to me. Jason was born. So thrilled about another boy. Bill was happier than ever. Unfortunately, the drinking got worse. He would be mad and just be in and out like a flash. And I knew then, but I didn't want to believe it, was running around on me. Probably smoking dope, other things, pills he took, things like that. It was just all new to me, the whole thing. I owned a beer joint when some guy came in with a Bible and he wanted to introduce me to Jesus. I ran him away. I said, get out of here. I'd take another drink. Then we have our new baby, Willie Jess. So there I was, a barmaid who doesn't drink and had three little boys. I've been fighting for this marriage for a long time and it's not working. But what went on next was horrible. It was like the nightmare of my life. I got in a big bar room brawl. The laws got after me. I went to the woods, of course, and uh, hid out. Phil came to me and said, I probably won't surface for two or three months. Do the best you can with what's left here. And he was gone. He became more and more mean and mean-spirited. And what I would tell my boys all the time is, that's not your daddy. That's the devil in your daddy. I would say the low point is when I ran Miss Kay and the kids off. You're all alone, no hope, miserable. That's when I began to serious contemplate is there a way out of all this? So I came to Miss Kay and she said, you know the guy that came up there to the beer joint that time and wanted to talk with you? I said, yeah. And you ran him off? I said, yeah. Why don't you sit down with him and, and just see what he has to say? So I sat down with this guy. He said, Phil, what do you think the gospel is? And I said, I don't know, gospel music on the radio or something like that. He said, you don't even know what it is. I said, I don't guess I do. I didn't even know what the gospel of Jesus was. So when he went through Jesus coming down in flesh through a little virgin girl, Mary, dying on a cross, being buried and raised from the dead, I'm like, how in the world did I ever miss that? I had missed it. I was blown away when I heard that Jesus died for me, was buried and raised from the dead. Something so, it is simple but profound that happened back there almost 2,000 years ago. I had never heard it. When we came back home, I think there was a note that said they had gone to the church building. So we headed in there, and when we got into the auditorium, I just stopped because there he was up in the baptistry with a man. 
and the boys all stopped and they were on each side of me. And <clears throat> I remember just looking at them and he was, I heard Phil say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to follow him from this day forward. And I looked down at each one of the boys, tears were rolling down their eyes. Even three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old Willie Jess, big tears were coming down. And the next thing I knew, he was baptized. And I come up, and the boys started hollering and singing, jumping all over the place. And they said, my daddy, my daddy saved, my daddy saved, my daddy saved. They were so happy. And it was the, it was the complete family then. I said, I'm fixing to hang another gear and I'm turning from my sinful past and I am fixing to make a valiant attempt to be good. I said, I've never tried it before. I told the guy when he studied with me, he said, just love God and love your neighbor and try to be good. I'm like, I've never tried that before. He said, can you try? I said, I can try. See, you got rednecks, then you have river rats. So I'm reading over in Romans chapter 12, be good to your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, do not return evil for evil. The river rats tend to be far better thieves than your just local rednecks. You be good to them and don't return evil for evil. I was fishing for a living. It's my livelihood. I'm working my tail off. They're hungry, feed them. These river rats would, would steal my fish. I'd caught several of them before then. Usually I'd just come up, roar out there, come up with my shotgun and say, the next person who moves dies. They're stealing my fish here, Lord. They're hungry, feed them. And you want me to do what? Do not return evil for evil. Well, I have to see if that will work, but it makes no earthly sense, that's for sure. So one day I heard a motor slow down. These guys pull over to my, to my float and I'm watching them through the bushes. So I said, I'm gonna be good to them, but I'm carrying my gun just in case. They're not good to me. And I'm gonna do what the Lord said. I'm gonna be good to them. So I roar up on them and they're getting my net almost up in their boat and they look up and they see this guy coming. That'd be me, wide open. I said, what were you boys doing with that net? And they said, oh, is that what that was? I said, yeah, that'd be a hook net. It belongs to me. I said, here's the good news. I'm gonna raise the net and whatever's in there, I'm gonna give them to you. And when I said that, they looked at each other and they said, they left me looking back, and all of a sudden, up and down the river, they quit stealing my fish. I just gave them what they were trying to steal. I took that to mean God was right all along. First year in sales, I had turned to God. First year sales duck commander, 
8,000 bucks. I said, Miss Kate, we are rolling. She said, we are going to starve to death. I said, no, nah, we're not going to starve. We'll be all right. <laughs> this is Alan, Jason, Willie, and Jeff. They all run the company and their wives. So one of them told me the other day, he said, Dad, you remember when you started out with that $8,000 worth of duck calls? I said, yep. They said, this year we're going to sell close to a million duck calls. It was either dog luck, but I am giving the credit to God Almighty in heaven for the duck call sales, the fish that were in the nets way back for my life. I'm giving the credit to the Almighty. And we shall see at the end how it turns out. I feel pretty good about it. My name is Phil Robertson, and I am second. See, in the South, we don't say second. We say second, like it's a T on it, second. You know what I'm saying? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Follow God's example. Circle, underline that word. Follow God's example. How do you know if someone's a Christian? Because all of us are following someone somewhere. I love in our society where we all say, oh, we're trying to be original. And does, isn't it funny how all the original people act like each other and they get in these groups, right? I remember back in the day, punk rock was big and all that kind of stuff. And it was just, and it was all this anti-social anarchy. We're anarchists. But they all dressed the same and acted the same. I'm like, well, doesn't that defeat the purpose of anarchy, right? You might not know it, but you're trying to be someone. And what the Bible says, listen, you think you're a Christian? Whose example, who do you look up to who are you saying, I want to be like them? And with Jesus, it's not grow out the hair like he grew it out, wear the same, you know, people that try to dress like him, look like him, wear sandals, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's like, no, no, no. Who he is, his priorities, his mission, the way he treated people, the way he treated the Father. When you read the gospel, when you read his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they gave us that story so we would understand salvation, but also we'd understand how to live this life here, what it means to be a Christian which means follower of Jesus. We get so stuck on how much we know. We're so impressed when someone is in a group and they know a lot of Bible verses and they can quote where it is. We're like, oh my God, they must be a Christian. We see the tattoo and the, the cross here with you know, some verse and that verse has to be in Greek because that makes you more of a Christian, right? If it's in English, you're so, so Christian. But if you put it in Greek, original language on your skin, oh my God, you must be on fire for Jesus, right? Or if someone just professes, well, I, I'm a Christian. Well, they said they must be. And the Bible says, listen, it doesn't matter how much you know if it doesn't lead to change. Change looks different for everyone. You guys were right over here. We gotta be careful. Our change is different than other people change. But is there change? Or do we keep going back 
to where it's like, oh, I like the idea of Jesus. I want him to save me, but I don't want him to change me. That's not good. Because if he's going to save you, that means that you're going to be changed. And if you're not changing, you got to look at, has he really saved you? Follow God's example. All of Ephesians 4 leads to this. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. So he's saying, I'm the dad. You're the child. You're in a new family now. And so how dad walks, how dad talks, how dad treats people, look at that. Watch that. That's why when someone says, like, hey, I'm a new Christian, where should I start in the Bible? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, do you know how Jesus acts? Do you see how he treats people? Do you see how patient he is? Do you see how he serves? Do you see how he's honest and authentic and he's open? Do you see these things? Are you watching? Because that's who our example is. So follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. That's going to be a theme, just so you know. Circle, underline that word. This is a theme. Walk. What is he indicating? Action. He just, the chapter before, said, work on your thinking. Now he says, but the thinking should lead to walking. And he's given a vivid picture. Walk with. Side by side. Don't walk away from him. And walk where he's going. Walk with him. He's going to lead you. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But then he changes the tone. Verse 3, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. The early church was struggling with following God's example because you got to remember, they had hundreds of gods in Ephesus. Hundreds of gods. They had statues, huge. Diana was one. Huge statue. And you know how they worshiped Diana? Sex. You go to the temple prostitutes, you'd have sex and you'd be blessed and all that. And so it was literally prostitution. You paid, that's how you paid the gods and things like that. The early church, check this out, because we all read the Bible, we're like, oh, we need to be like the early church. I'm like, you've never read the Bible. Like, they were horrible. You know where they struggled? They were going to churches like this. God is, the, you know, he's your God, and follow him, all that kind of stuff. But then during the week, they're like, ah, but I want to hedge my bets, just in case my crops don't make it, God doesn't answer my prayers, and they would go seek the other gods. And so this isn't just like, hey, don't sleep around kind of a thing, like in our culture today, or hey, really be pure. Stay away from thoughts of, oh, I wonder what would like to be with them rather than my own spouse. Even entertain those kind of thoughts. Of, it's not just that. These guys were actually like using it as far as just sex, as far as another God. So he's having to write to them saying, listen, follow God's example. You ever see Jesus going to a temple, right, and doing these things? No. You see him being greedy? No. So he says, any kind of impurity or greed, but these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity foolish talk or coarse joking. Coarse joking just means things that are, um, it can be sexual or it's just kind of like, it's not uplifting. Coarse just means it's abrasive, right? It's something you could say, but do you really have to say that kind of joke? You could, but do you have to? It's, it's right? And so he's saying, hey, it affects the way we act. He's also saying it affects the way we talk. Following God's example changes the way you live the way you 
speak. That's true Christianity, not how much you know. He says, and he makes a a big point here, you guys. Verse 5, for of this you can be sure. I I, I looked up because I had time this week. What's the Greek for sure? Like, how, It means you can be sure. It, it's emphatic. It's saying you can hedge all your money on this. This is a big deal. So he says, if you're playing poker, go all in on this. What are we going all in on? It's this. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. So let no one deceive you with empty words. Why? Because back then, you know what was happening? Paul started these churches, and then he left, and then as it spread, other pastors were coming in, and they were saying, oh, no, 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 you could still go to the temple and worship. Oh, no, 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 you could still get drunk. No, 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 you can do that. They were separating action from religion. They were saying, as long as you believe these things, and as long as you say these words, and you clap, and as long as you cry, and as long as you do these things, these religious things, you're okay. We kind of still do that today in our society, right? As long as you go to the right church, you know when to stand up and sit down or, you know, just, you know, take communion at the right point. You do these religious things. No, religious things are, are an expression of a faith that's already being lived out during the week. These religious things aren't to be used to, well, I live like hell this week, but I, I, I threw a little bit of juice and I threw a cracker in my mouth. That's got to give me a thumbs up. Certain of us grew up with religions like that, right? It doesn't matter what you do during the week. As long as Sunday morning, you're doing those religious things, stand up, sit down, do that, you like that, take these classes. You know, no, 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 no. That's only good if it's an expression of how you've been living throughout the week. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath is coming on those who are disobedient. One of the things that's important for us to know is it doesn't matter what you think of God, it's more important what does God think of you. Like we like to, well, I like to formulate my opinion of God. God's not asking you to formulate an opinion of his. He says, no, no, that's not your job. I'm giving you who I am. You, you might want to figure that out because I'm a pretty powerful being. And he said, I want the whole world to know the gospel. Someone like Phil. Even when Phil was beating people up, getting drunk, abandoning his family, God was pursuing him. And God was pursuing them because like, Phil, your life's at stake. If you don't turn, you for eternity, separated from your family, separated from me. And hell isn't some, oh, that's where we just get to drink and party. And No, no, no. Hell is the absence of anything good. It's the vacuum where God takes himself out. Like in our world, however evil it is, God is still a part of this world. He vacuums himself out. There is no love. There is no patience. There is no kindness. There is no goodness. It's a vacuum of that. It's pure evil. Separated from God. And he says, that's the consequence of rebellion. Rebellion has a consequence. The gospel is, you can't save yourself. You can't on your own turn from that. But when you say, Jesus, forgive me, he says, not only do I forgive you, I will give you a spirit that will actually change you. That will change a violent man to become kind that will change a man that has grown up with a shotgun that'd rather shoot first and ask questions later especially if any of you lived in the backwoods nobody's gonna know if those two thieves are dead nobody except the crocodiles right but to say though nobody knows my father knows and i'm actually not just not gonna shoot him i'm gonna say go ahead and take those fish that can be done on his own it's the gospel the good news 
that Jesus died and rose again, and what he's going to say, listen, I want you to die to yourself now and rise again as far as Christ is my number one example. And if you have that heart, how do you do that? The Bible says simple. Say the words, but don't leave it at words. Back it up then with a life that says, no, I'm going I'm to change. He's my example. And he says, that's where you're going to find life. And he goes on to say in verse 8, listen, for, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Just so you know that Greek word live is walk. Other translations say walk as children of light. He's using that theme, walk, walk, walk. Be active with Christ. Don't just come to church. You're not an attender. You're a participant in the good news of this world. And you're one of billions. Play your role. Walk with Christ. He says, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. So there is change your thinking, but the thinking should lead to action. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds. Uh, that word nothing is really interesting. Uh, it actually means uh, fellowship. Don't have fellowship. You guys have heard of like fellowship if you grew up in church, right? Fellowship hall, they named it that. Um, the Greek word is quantania, right? And so uh, back in the 90s, the end thing to do with coffee shops, Christian coffee shops, would have called them quantania, right? You know, it's like, oh, you know, made it super special. Well, it's a Greek word for fellowship. And he's saying, have no fellowship. Where you actually, what's fellowship? Where you enjoy it? Where you celebrate it? This is really important because you're going to see this in the Bible. Other verses say to don't practice immorality. Because some of us right now are like, yo, Brian, I give my life to Christ. Like, I'm down with this, but bro, I got struggles. Right? Like, I genuinely want to follow Christ, but ah, I, I, I just mess up and I could have told the truth and I lied. And I've been struggling with lying for years, but I just, I throw it out there. Or for some of us, it's just like, man, I don't want to be sexually immoral. Whether it's pornography, I don't want to have that dirty talk or, you know, I don't, I don't want to keep having roaming eyes or, you know, I don't want to have this and so you have these desires, right, that kind of pull at us, right? Or I don't want to have that coarse joking, but it's so easy. Brian, I'm gifted at being really good with my jokes, right? And so it's hard to pull that back when it's just like, oh, it's so easy to rip on that person at work. Like they set it up on a tee and I had to hit it, right? And God's like, no, don't. You're like, no, I'm going to, right? And you just demolish him in front of everybody. And here's what the Bible's saying. There's a difference between struggling in your faith and rebelling in your faith. I want to encourage you with this. Your sins are forgiven, but you're still going to struggle. What struggling means is this, that when I do it, I don't celebrate it, and I don't keep doing it, that I repent. And the Bible says if you need to repent a thousand times in a day, a true Christian will repent until they get it right, because it takes time to change habit. Have any of us tried to change a massive habit? Eating, exercise, uh, ways of thinking. Maybe you're super negative, you want to become more a positive person. How long does it take to change those habits? Long time, right? And that's why God's patient love with you. He's patient with you. As long as you're, what's he'll say? Trying. How do you know if someone's trying? Do they repent? Or do they get fellowship with their sin? As far as like, well, I want to be a Christian, but I'm going to celebrate this, participate in it. And here's the key thing. Here's how I know. 
and I'm going to hide it from others. I'm going to hide it from others. That's why Jane says, confess your sins to each other. And I'll be very honest as a pastor, there's a lot of things our church is good at. A lot of things. A lot of things all churches have their strengths, right? They're good at. I've worked at three different churches. I've met with tons of pastors. I've been to all camps and all kinds of stuff. You know we're Christians where we're really weak, especially in America? More America. When I've been overseas, they're a little bit better at it. We don't like to share our sin. I'll just work at it all by myself. And Satan says, perfect. Think of any area of your life where you've tried to do it on your own rather than with the help of others. How'd that go? Usually pretty bad. We're created for relationship. And we should celebrate when someone wants to repent rather than bashing them that you should have known better. And if someone says you should have known better, buddy, I will be in your face and I will find your sin and I will sniff it out, finding where you should have been better. Guys, we all blow it. The difference is a rebellious person blows it and says, eh, God's okay with that. No, 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 you're fellowshipping with that sin. And a Christian says, gosh, dang it, I did it again. Lord, I'm going to confess and I'm going to get help and I'm going to repent. I'm going to try to turn. And what does turning mean? It means figuring out ways to rid it out of your lives. And sometimes God's going to let you have to figure out multiple ways, right? I remember when, um, when I first became a, a, a Christian, um, I grew up in a, uh, well, I didn't grow up. I grew up in a home that was quasi-Christian, but I got into partying pretty hard. I started drinking by the time I was 13. So I started pretty early on devious behavior. And in order to get away with that from my mom, my dad wasn't a Christian, but my mom was. And she was one of those, like, you'd be in trouble. I had to deceive her. That's how I got away with it. I mean, being in junior high and high school, I had to deceive her. I got really good at it. The problem is I became a Christian, and I had to undo that, because that's not beneficial as a Christian. And I didn't want to be. And so what I noticed is the first year, probably year or two of being a Christian, like, I would say it, and I, have you ever lied, and you're like, I didn't need to lie? None of you? Wow, just me? I'm the only... Okay. God, you guys are harsh. I'm like, has anyone? And you guys are like, nope, not that one, Brian. Yeah, I see. All right. Um, and so I noticed where the Holy Spirit kept convicting me. But I was trying to do it on my own, you guys, because I was ashamed. I was a Christian. I was at a really vibrant church. And I felt like everyone else had their stuff together. Have you ever been there? And you're like, it's just me. And I didn't want to share it because I felt stupid. I'm like, I'm 19 years old. I'm 20. Like, I should have this down, Right? And also in small group, I felt like everyone was on fire for God. And I'm like, oh, man. I was also wanting to be a leader. And I felt like if I were to share that, they'd be like, oh, yeah, you're not going to be a leader. So I just felt a lot of shame. And this one time I was at church, and I was actually lied at church, like in the building, which is even, that's the worst lie. Like lying out, right? You lie outside the building, it's better. I didn't know if you know that, but no, I'm just joking. That's a joke, yeah. So we're like, perfect, I'm going to write that one down, lie outside of church. No. But I remember I was at church, and one of the pastors asked me if I did something, because I was supposed to be helping out. And I was in my mind, I'm like, oh, shoot, I will do it. But I didn't. But I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I justified, like, have you ever done those quick justifications? I'm like, oh, I will do it. So thus, I have done it, because in God, there is no time. And so uh, technically, I've already done it. So I didn't want to, you know, so I'm like, yeah, 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 I did it already. And in my mind, I'm like, I need to get that done quickly. And I remember the Holy Spirit's like, not living like Christ. What changed in my life? I went to him. It was embarrassing. I said, I didn't need to lie. Like, it'll take me five minutes to do, but I just flat out lied to you right now. 
and he was awesome. He's like, hey, thank you, appreciate it, you know, and just, but as long as things like I noticed that week, I was starting to catch myself before the lie and I'd stop. Like confessing it, just kind of put it on the forefront. And also I knew that he knew, he knew I struggled with it, so probably he was going to keep asking me if I really, you know, but confessing it, put it on the forefront to where all of a sudden I started thinking before. And then God just slowly, was something in my life, it just like, boom. And then all of a sudden I wasn't even thinking about it, I was just being a more honest person. Does that make sense? Two people lie. One in their mind says, it's not that big of a deal, God doesn't mind, I got away with it, no big consequences, everybody does it, makes justification and keeps living it. The other person says, if I do it five more times, I'm going to repent five more times, and I'll do whatever it takes. If, I be, if I'm embarrassed, if I'm ashamed, doesn't matter. But I need to confess. That's where there's healing. And I'm not saying you need to stand up at church like I did and be like, oh, Brian, I got something too. No, 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 no. The confession can be with a good Christian friend. It could be in our connection group. Maybe it could be this morning. You're taking communion. You just share with someone like, hey, I need to repent. Like, but you find it, but don't keep it in. That's how Satan works. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds. Nothing, no fellowship of darkness, but rather expose them. That's the confession. Expose it. Get it out of your life. Verse 15, let's jump down to that then. He, he ends this thought with this. Be very careful. I always think of Elmer Fudd. Be very, very careful. I don't know why. That's, when I read the Bible, I put cartoons in there. So you could do the same. Maybe it'll help you. Be very careful then how you, what's that word? Live, but what's it in Greek? Walk. 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 Be careful how you walk. Think about how you walk. Think about this week, how you're going to walk with Jesus. Think about it. If you don't think about it, then you can't act it out. But also, don't just think about it and then forget and not do it. Think about this week. Jesus, how do I want to walk with you? How do I want to walk with you in my words? I want to be more encouraging. I want to bust out some encouraging texts. I want to use the scripture to speak. How can I use the scripture? But they never know. I tell people scripture, but I'm not acting all Christianese, but I'm getting the word of God out there and I'm just speaking it. Lord, how do I serve my boss better this week? How can I encourage my family? This? How can I walk with you just like you? Be a servant, be humble, be loving, uh, forgive. That's when you get confidence in your Christianity. Not that you're perfect, but you're walking with them. Be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Changed thinking only counts if there's changed living. God wants to change your life, not just to change your thoughts. And this is why it's important, because sin is brutal. Sin is anything that's rebellious of God. That's why he's bringing these up. Don't be sexually immoral, no coercion. Like, and some of us are getting triggered right now because we grew up in church and everything was, don't do this, don't do that, right? And it's just like, oh, we're getting beaten again. Like, don't, like all Christianity is, don't, 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 don't. And yeah, that's a little overboard because there's other parts of Christianity, but there's an aspect that says don't, don't, there is an aspect of that, right? You don't do certain things all the time when you have a goal. Don't, eating, don't eat certain foods, that's a good don't if you're trying to become healthier, lose weight, right? We all restrict ourselves all the time. So the don'ts matter when you have a purpose. But when you have no purpose, then why have self-control? I have no purpose. Our purpose is to be like Christ. Why? 
because it gives us confidence in our own salvation. I'm walking with him. But also, it's a light to others that they'll see our lives being like, why? I notice you don't joke like the other people. And not all your friends will say something, but there'll be that one that says something. Some of us worry so much about how we're going to reach people for Jesus through our words. And I encourage you with this. Have words to reach people for Jesus. Just make sure it matches up with your life. But they see someone that has a purpose. I'm trying to live out the example of Christ. So yeah, it's going to change the way I joke, change the way I live. It's going to change the way I view my body. It's going to change things. And they need to see that just as much as they need to see our words. And God is saying, hey, don't do these things because sin is three things. It's divisive, it's destructive, and it's distracting in our lives. And God says, get it out. That's why, to me, repenting of sin shouldn't be a shame-filled thing. It should be, we should celebrate it in the church. We should celebrate it. Not the sin, but the repentance. Why? Because we're getting rid of distraction. I can usually tell how someone's week is going when they walk into church by simply this, especially guys, because they won't look you in the eye. Because when I'm carrying shame in my life, I feel like someone can see into my soul if I say hi to them. So my eyes go down, my eyes look away. Sin is distracting. It destroys relationships. You don't want to communicate with people. You'd rather just stay in your house, right? And it, it changes the family dynamics. When a dad is constantly angry, or even if there's secret lust going on, the secret sins always seep out. You cannot, you think you're hiding it, but everyone, there's a smell that people are like, something just smells, like dad's off. If you're hooked on pornography, you're going to have a tough time loving your little girl. Guarantee it. You're going to have a tough time loving your wife correctly. And that's why the Bible's like, I'm not telling you just be like a good person. I'm trying to help you to free yourself from distraction, that sin is, from destruction and from divisiveness. And that's what all of Ephesians is about. All of Ephesians is saying, stay united. Remember, the next few weeks is stay united in your marriage. Stay united in your family. Stay united at work. Stay united in the church. How do you do that? Getting rid of sin because it divides a church. When people become arrogant, when they become angry, it divides a church. When they become selfish, it divides a church. When men are ashamed, it divides a church. When women are ashamed, it divides a church. And you're not, as, you're not as productive here, and you're not productive outside the walls. I want to end with this, and we're going to go. I, I feel like I don't want to give you too much, because we're going to go into worship. The greatest gift God gives you is listen. You don't have to beat yourself to death because of your sins, because you cannot die and rise again. Only Jesus did. He did it for you. All you have to do is accept it, saying, thank you. That's all you got to do. Thank you, and I'm going to follow you. That's all he wants to hear. When you do that, the Spirit of God is in you. Now, I'm not saying you're going to feel it. You're going to be like, oh, it's electrical. It might. Some people have those experiences. I have friends that they were literally just, they felt the chills. I didn't. I just made a decision. I'm like, this life is, yes, yeah, start drinking at 13. Like, this life is not working out. I just made a change. But whether you get the chills or don't, the words need to lead to action, not to chills, not to crying. But with that, how can we not have any chills when we think about the God of the universe 
loves you. Not us, you. He loves you. He wants to spend eternity with you, and he's going to remake this whole earth, and we're not going to be floating in angels in the clouds with little wings. We have a new life. We're going to be living like now without sin. It'll be real. It'll be tangible. And we have a new world with him. And sin is gone. And those are judged with the devil. Those are judged. If you live like the devil, you will live with the devil. But you'll have the absence of God forever. So you have a choice. Change your thinking. Change your life. You know, Phil Robertson, the greatest thing he did was not Duck Dynasty, just so you know. And he would say that. Duck Dynasty was not the greatest thing. Jesus was the greatest thing. When his life changed, how did he know he's a Christian? Well, he led his wife rather than running away from her. He brought unity in the family. His kids cried, the whole family changed, and now there's Christianity all throughout multiple generations. Can you imagine if he wouldn't have changed? He probably wouldn't be married, and you know what his boys would be doing? They wouldn't be following Jesus. Those would be some, if you watch that show, those would be some rough and tumble boys, right? And they're all following Jesus. Where did it start with one man that said, what am I doing? I need to repent. You, as one person, can change generations, can change friends, not just your life when you repent. It's not just for you, it's for those around you. The second thing, though, is it will embolden you to reach people for Jesus. It will embolden you. When you're confident in your faith, you won't be afraid of people. When his life changed, just so you know, he shares in another video, I encourage you to watch. Uh, two years after his faith, uh, he had drinking buddies that they were trying to track him down, like, let's get back to the drinking, let's go back to the thing. They came, they visited him on his property. And in the video, he says, they visit him, they're like, hey, let's go, you know, let's go down the road. And he knows what that means. And he goes, uh, that Phil died two years ago. That's what he told him. That Phil died. This is the new Phil. And he said, good day. Literally like, you can head out. Now, we might be thinking like, oh, they're probably like, oh, Christians. You're like, this. yeah, some of them did. But one guy they called Big Al in that group, 12 years later, he was an atheist. He was part of this drinking group. He left. And Phil's like, hey, I walk with Jesus now. I'm not talking. Because their whole thing is, yeah, yeah, everybody goes to church. Come on, we're in the South. Come on, let's go drinking. No, no, no. That Phil's dead. This is new Phil. It took 12 years, though. It took a scare where this guy, uh, the doctors diagnosed him with the aneurysms near his heart. Who's the person, when someone's about to die, who are they going to call? Not even someone who's a Christian, but someone who is truly a Christian because their life changed, not just their words. He called him on the phone and said, we need to talk. And he goes, like he does, you're scared, huh? Shared the gospel with him. Guy says, I need that. I don't know if I can do it. Same thing as Phil, but I'm going to give it a try. And he says, why don't you do that? Goes back home two months later while coaching baseball, dies on the field of a heart aneurysm. The family calls him and says, listen, there's a funeral but you changed his life, would you lead the funeral? And he goes, well, I don't own a suit. I live in the backwoods. <laughs> and they said, we don't care how you dress. Can you just come and lead the funeral service? And Phil shares that he got to share the gospel with all the family, with all the friends, and about how his friend Big Al came to know Jesus. May your words be matched with your life. Paul's saying, don't be afraid of sin. You're already forgiven. Repent. How do you repent? Confess. Get it out. Stop holding it in. And as you do that, you are walking like Jesus. And as you do that, you will reach people for Jesus. Don't just think about your words, think about your life. The worship team is going to come up now and 
I hope this week, you guys, you actually can celebrate and embrace repenting in your life. Maybe for some of you, it's just like, hey, there's nothing really that I'm trying to harbor or anything like that. Great, then you can celebrate God changing your life. But what Paul wants to say is don't just talk, walk. James chapter 2, I'm not, uh, it's not going to come up on the screen if you want to write that down. James 2, James reminds us of this. Listen, your Christianity comes down to your deeds. Are you living out? Is Jesus changing your life? He goes, you believe there's one God? I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus is God. He goes, great. Even the devil does. Even the demons do. And what he's saying is make sure your faith is not demonic, which is unsaving. Make sure your faith is life-changing, that what I believe goes out into my life. And if we're that kind of a church, not only will we stay unified and grow and develop momentum here, we're going to be able to reach others. And our words will make sense because it matches our life. So Jesus, we come before you now. And God, I pray we could take communion with joy. We could thank you that we don't have to try to perfect our lives, that we don't have to try to be good enough. You're not looking for us to be good enough, that you died in our place, but you rose again, showing that as we die to ourselves, we become a new person in you. And that's the way to a really good life. And so God, I pray there is no shame here today. That's from the devil. There's only joy and thankfulness and humility. And so, God, as we worship you, may these songs encourage us this week. And then also, Lord, as we take communion, I pray that it would energize us that we could live in sacrificial love as you did. We worship you now in your name, Jesus. Amen. As we take off today, I just want to remind you of this. You guys know I went on a, a hunting trip up in Washington. It's my first one. And uh, it was so amazing. Uh, I went with a guy who has a lot of experience. You know what he did the whole time? Brian, stop doing that. Don't do that. There was one time I was talking to him because I was so excited. And he's like, can you shut up? They can hear us. <laughs> and I wasn't like, shut up, dude. Don't tell me what to do. You know what I was? I was like, I'm an idiot. I've never hunted before. And anything he tells me not to do is so I can actually do it well. And some of us treat God like, don't tell me what to do. It's such a burden, all these rules. He's like, oh my God, you don't know how to live life. I'm trying to instruct you on a good life. What if we were just humble saying, I'm an idiot. That's why you died on the cross. You didn't die like for the fun of it. And that anything you say no to or tell me stop doing that, it's out of love saying, if you stop doing it, you're going to do life a lot better. I hope you view him that week and I hope you can walk with him in love. He doesn't hate you. He's not trying to be this rule guy just to make you. He loves you. And there's a lot of yeses in Christianity, but there's going to be some no's because that's going to benefit not just you, everybody around you, our church, your family, your job, and people that don't know Jesus. So I hope you're inspired to walk with them this week. If you're not in a connection group, we discuss all this. You got to get in one Wednesday and Thursday nights. So talk to us about how to do that or sign up online. Hope to see you there. We're going to have a great discussion. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com.